Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm going to be your host today. If this is your first time listening, I would love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Today is the Sunday before Christmas, and we're wrapping up this Christmas series where we've talked about how we have these beautiful, perfect plans for how Christmas will be. And then we're greeted by the reality of messy lives, messy families, and messy people. Our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison, is talking about the Magi, the wise men today, and about the most offensive and wonderful Christmas gift ever. Let's get started. I hunted and hunted, guys, for the perfect Christmas shirt, and I found it. It's right here. It's one I've got on, a Grinch hoodie. How cool is that? And the lingo on it is right out of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The nerve of those who's inviting me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger, but tell no one. 5.30, jazzercise, of course. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. 7 o'clock, wrestle with my self-loathing. I'm just booked. Of course, if I bumped the loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. But what would I wear? Isn't that great? It's a great shirt, isn't it? Okay? If you guys need a line, I can tell you where to find one. By the way, here's a true story related to this Grinch. Are you ready? Caleb Mackey, one of our guys here, was working down at Hoggies, and he was dressed like the Grinch. He was leaning in and teasing some of our little guys, so he leans into Everly. Everly is five. She's one of our kindergarten kids here at the church. And Everly reaches back and punches him right in the face. I'm told it was a really good right hook, right? And then she screams at her dad, walk, daddy, walk. It's a hit and run. That's what it was, okay? She's going to teach the Grinch a lesson. I'm watching out. Please keep her away from me, guys. I hope some of you guys came out to our Jingle Jam on Wednesday. It was a whole lot of fun. It was packed. Uh, we got one more of those coming. What this is for, guys, is over the next year, we're going to be scheduling about nine or ten of these connection events. Our job here at Capital City is not just to do life together and come here and do the rituals of religion. Ours is to nudge people towards Jesus. And we're trying to give our family plenty of opportunities to invite somebody to do life with us. That's really, really important. It's a part of who we are here at Capital City. That Jingle Jam was the, the, the last one of those connect events, those invite events that we have. And if we got, again, the coming up this Wednesday night. The next one that's going to be coming is our wild game event. Now, this one is just going to be for the guys. Sorry, ladies, we've got an event coming for you just in another couple of months. But we're going to be doing some really cool things for a wild game event. It's going to be uh, January the 18th. We're going to do some axe throwing. We're going to do some antler scoring. Uh, We're going to have a couple of really cool giveaways. And we're going to have this huge, huge veggie tray. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, that was humor, guys, if you didn't pick it up. We're thinking wild game. In fact, we're even thinking maybe some roasted Razorback since the UK is going to be playing Arkansas that afternoon. But we're going to be getting you guys some more information on that in the next couple of weeks. John started talking about offensive Christmas gifts. I don't know how many of you guys have followed the social media firestorm after that uh, Peloton commercial. Wasn't that funny? It was hilarious to me. 
This guy gives his cute wife a Peloton exercise bike for Christmas. She gets all excited. And people start ripping into the commercial because the guy is body shaming his wife, fat shaming his wife. (laughs) Maybe she just wanted the bike. And memes started popping up, memes like this one here. It says, thank you for not giving up on me, honey. I know I have a lot of work to do. I promise I'm going to fix this. You're the best husband ever. And they started finding all these kind of things circulating online. It was hilarious. But it kind of just led me down that path to the kind of gifts that you shouldn't give. John already talked about a few of them. His were also on my list, right? Of course, you shouldn't give exercise wear or exercise gear because you might be body shaming somebody or wrinkle cream, or hair dye. I think that would be age-shaming somebody. In fact, it got me to thinking. I've been giving Julie, my wife, obsession perfume for decades for Christmas. I guess that could be offensive. Am I suggesting she doesn't smell good already? Is that, is that what it means? And then they always mention cleaning supplies if you go Google this stuff. In fact, my preaching partner told me from firsthand experience that it's a mistake to give your wife a garbage disposal for Christmas, even if she's been asking for it for some time. Uh, and then, of course, I had the gift certificate for a wax or that set of bathroom scales. They can be dicey. There's also, it's a bad gift right now as a 2019 calendar, no matter how pretty it is, Right? By the way, you can find some amazing deals right now on 2019 calendars. And I added one more gift that I don't think you should give for Christmas, and that's fruitcake. Although I, just, just, I learned last week that there are actually a few people who like fruitcake, go figure. I figured if you could find one with a bacon theme, that's close enough. You know, that, that might work. But one of the things we don't think about sometimes, this is weird. Sometimes we miss how offensive God's Christmas gift to us was. The gift that's at the very center of Christmas. Literally, God gifted us his son, Jesus. Have you ever pondered how offensive that gift is and was? I mean, this angel pops up to these shepherds and he says, I'm bringing you good news that's going to bring great joy to all people, the Savior The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem today. The Savior of all people, of all of you, which is telling you, you need saving. You're a mess. You're lost, every single one of you. You're messed up. And that's what it says, doesn't it? A Savior for all people. And then this old man named Simeon sees Jesus when Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple for his dedication. And here's what he says from God. He says, I have seen your salvation, God. I've seen your salvation. He's right here. He's in front of me. I'm holding him in my arms. The salvation that you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And if you think about it, what he's telling you is that without Jesus, you're stumbling around in the dark from God's perspective. Without Jesus, you are careening towards a failed life in this world and an eternity that you don't want to think about from God's perspective. Now, that's offensive, isn't it? For someone to insist that you're lost, you're in trouble, you're a mess, you need help, you need a savior because you're not going to be able to save yourself. Isn't that what God was telling us that day? 
What if God was right? What if we really are lost? What if we really are in trouble, a mess, needing help, needing a savior? What if there really is a God? Just give that as a possibility. What if Jesus really was the son of God? And what if God really did send his son, Jesus, to be a savior, our savior? If there really is a God, and Jesus really is the son of God, do you think any of us is good enough or smart enough to tell God he's wrong? No, we don't need him. See, I think the overwhelming probability is that Jesus is the Son of God, which would make him the most offensive and the most important gift ever, right? Think about it. Everybody that, were, that day was part of that all people that he came to save. If Joseph and Mary, two apparently great kids, put into a nearly impossible spot by God. We talked about that two weeks ago. Mary was probably 12 to 14 years old, which back then was marriage age. It was normal back then. Joseph looks like a great guy, a God-honoring, decent guy. And God says, Mary, you're going to be pregnant because I'm going to plant the Savior in you. I'm going to plant your Savior in you. You're going to give birth to your Savior. You need a Savior too, Mary. And so now Mary is engaged and pregnant. And the woman to whom Joseph was engaged is now pregnant. It's not his kid. And in that world, they're never going to get out of that scandal. Who is ever going to believe, who's ever going to imagine that God is going to send his Savior in the form of what's going to look like to everybody, an illegitimate child? And so Mary and Joseph was full of hopes and dreams about a wedding, kids, setting up house and all that stuff, but... What they got was a 90 to 100 mile hike at nine months pregnant where the she would give birth in a barn and directly afterwards a clandestine hike to Egypt because the king wanted their baby dead. And then when they get home, the whispers, the stares, and the judgment of their neighbors, what they got is a tough life from God, right? Got your scratch and sniff card? Hold it up so that the yellow was on the left facing you. Right, And what I'd ask you to do is just kind of fold it in half like that. So just the yellow part is facing you. Okay? Now, go ahead and scratch the yellow. Take a sniff. It shouldn't smell too good. What we asked for was the smell of wet dirt. Now, that may not be what you smell, but it's what we asked for. The smell of wet dirt. The smell of a barn. The smell of kids who were days on the road without showers. That is the first smell of Christmas. That's the smell of Mary and Joseph. Is that what Jesus came to save them from? Did they need a savior because their life was going to be hard? Mary and Joseph were apparently good kids. They were willing to do what God wanted them to do, to go wherever God wanted them to go, no matter what the cost. Following God's going to hurt them. It's going to cost them. Is that what they needed Savior from? Mary and Joseph were also very religious kids. They believed their Bible, our Old Testament. And this is what their Bible says. This is the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. 
It says, the Lord God looks down from heaven on the entire human race, the whole human race. That includes Mary and Joseph, right? He looks to see if anybody is truly wise. If anybody seeks God, but no, all have turned away, all have been corrupt, no one does good, not even one, not even these two amazing kids. Now that's, a, that's kind of offensive, isn't it? You try your best and it's not enough, God says, because you screw up and you know it. But what if it's true? What if there really is a God? And what if God is right? What if every single one of us, even the best of us, still find in ourselves some duplicity and sin? So often we find ourselves wanting to do the right thing and choosing not to. What if every single one of us, every single person in this room, and I'll bet you're not the exception, falls short of God's glorious standards? What if they needed a savior because they're in way more trouble than embarrassment and shame? What if their biggest need was peace with God? Then we talked about shepherds. We talked about them last week. Usually our manger scenes get it wrong. They kind of picture them as gentlemen, kind of earthy, ordinary rednecks. Hardly. They were the lowlifes of that world, physically dirty, maybe nomadic, sleeping on the ground, working with sheep and goats, in serious need of a bath, but that was the tip of the iceberg. They were socially unclean. They were spiritually unclean. They were kind of the first century, a century equivalent of a biker gang. They're not even allowed in church. You would not want your daughter dating a shepherd. In that world, they were seriously dissed, and they were unwanted, and they were unwelcome, which means they would tend to be seriously bitter and resentful and angry because when people despise you, you tend to despise them back, right? When they profile you, you tend to drag around a chain of bitterness and resentment, and it keeps gnawing on you and eating at you and messing you up. So do you have the scratch and sniff card handy? Here it is. Turn it so the brown side is facing you and scratch that one and give it a sniff. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's the shepherds. It smells bad. It's supposed to smell bad, guys. Now kind of rub your finger off on your pants, see if you can get that smell off of there. Physically, spiritually, socially unclean, that's the smell of a shepherd. And to these guys, God sends an angel with a message. Don't be afraid, I'm not going to kill you. In fact, I'm going to bring you amazing news that's going to bring great joy to all people, all people, which includes you guys, you shepherds, the Savior, your Savior. I know, the Messiah, the Lord, he's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you guys are invited. <laughs> Your Savior, their Savior. From what? From the bigotry and the hostility that people kept throwing at them? From the bitterness and the resentment and the anger they kept dragging around as a matter of course? Hardly. That stuff didn't go away after they knelt before Jesus. And that wasn't the saving they needed most. 
These guys would have known about their separation from God, I suspect. Some of them would have wondered in their quieter moments if there really is a God, and back then no one was foolish enough to think there isn't. If there really is a God, they're probably hosed in this world and hopeless in the next. I suspect every one of them would be willing to admit they need a savior. And there's one more cluster of men at the angel scenes. We call them the wise men. They're the guys who get to wear the coolest costumes, right? The ones with the most gravitas. The ones who seem to have it all together. They've got the money, the power, the prestige, and maybe the most misunderstood by us. Honorable men, powerful men, wise men, bending their knees to Jesus before the Christ child according to our fairy tales. You know what these wise men really were? First of all, they're Gentiles, which in the Jewish world would have meant they were not welcome at this birth. Sometimes we call them magi, which comes from the Greek word magoi. Instead of wise men, you could translate it if you want, magicians, astrologers. They were probably pagan priests of some sort. There were bunches of these guys in the ancient world. In fact, the the Bible warns us against these kinds of guys. They were the kind of guys I would warn you against. These magi, these astrologers, fortune tellers are guided by God to the Christ child where they present him with these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So you have your scratch and sniff card. I'm I'm not setting you up this time, right? Fold it the other way so that you see the purple. And go ahead and scratch and sniff that purple one. That's supposed to smell good. I hope it does. We ask for the smell of frankincense, the smell of perfume. Smells good, pretty deceptive. See these guys that look so good and smelled so good, they're astrologers by trade. They dabbled in the first century versions of black magic and crystal balls and all that stuff. They believed that what happens in the stars reflected something special going on on earth. Now you need to know that God had already warned his people against these kinds of twits. The old covenant, Deuteronomy 18, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their children in the fire, who practices divination sorcery, who interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does things like these magi is detestable to the Lord. Detestable to the Lord, which is not something you want on your spiritual resume, right? Now, my suspicion is that these magi had no idea they needed a savior, A lot of people don't. They're obviously spiritual men. They believed in some kind of God. And I suspect they figured that was good enough. Except for the Jews, they were very respected in that world. People of money, honor, power. Even King Herod treats them with respect. And God invites these guys to the birth of their Savior. Because whether they knew it or not, they needed a Savior too. Angel says, I bring amazing news. It's going to bring great joy to all people, to all people, including these magi. 
Your Savior, their Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and they're invited too. All of us are invited, which we get in the most ruthlessly honest moments that we have. So do you have any idea how weird this scene is? As a Christian, as a pastor, I've always laughed at astrologers, fortune tellers, psychics, and I've kind of laughed at people who take them seriously. So why in the world does God bring them to the Christ child? And then you start to get it. All of a sudden, it begins to make sense. Guys, this is kind of our representation of the manger scene. You've got a simple carpenter and a peasant girl, pregnant before she's married, who have to give birth in a barn. You've got these low-life shepherds. And then you've got these pagan astrologers bringing gifts to this Christ child. It's kind of like God is making this powerful point. Do you see it? You look at this card, and which of the scents do you identify with the most? The smell of Joseph and Mary, the yellow one. The smell of dirt, travel, smell of a barn. Good kids, but in a tough world. Those kids needed saving too and not from their tough life. They needed peace with God. Maybe you identify more with the brown, the shepherds, the smell of unclean, manure, ostracism. There were not very good men and they knew it. Who in their moments of ruthless clarity knew how far away from God they were and knew they needed saving. Any of you guys ever felt that? Or maybe you identify most with this purple. In that world, it's a picture of royalty. People who look like they have it all together. Ever been like that? People think you've got it all together. And a good life. You've got money, power, position. You look like you're spiritual. But inside, you know you need a savior too. Just like the rest of us. Desperately in need of a savior. And I can tell you what he wants for you. One more circle on the card, that green one. Flip it around so you're looking at that green circle. Go ahead and scratch and sniff that one. And I really hope that it smells good to you. Does it? We asked for the smell of fresh air, fresh life, something fresh, new, alive, which is what God wants to give you. New life, real life, abundant life, now and forever. See, sometimes we miss what Christmas is all about. Sometimes I blame it on, I know this is going to sound bad to you, but I blame some of it on the King James Bible. Not when it was translated 400 years ago, but today. (laughs) Because that's where we hear the Christmas story most often, and the way that it's worded doesn't convey to us what God was trying to tell us. Listen to the story. There were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That part's just fine. 
Words are a little weird, making it sound a little bit more like a fairy tale than it needs to, but you get the point. And then it says, For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And that part's okay too, I guess. A Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, in the form of a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. The words are a little weird, but we don't miss the meaning. Here's the part that messes us up. Because this is the part that tells us what Jesus came to save us from and to. It says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, here it is, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. As if Christmas is all about peace on earth and goodwill to men. As if Christmas is supposed to be about challenging us just to get along, to treat each other right for a few days. We get it so backwards. I'm telling you guys, if that is the kind of peace that Jesus was supposed to bring, it didn't work, did it? We're about as splintered and polarized and tribal and hostile and mean as ever. Maybe it's not the kind of peace God was promising that he was talking about. Guys, I hate to be too brutal, but bottom line, King James translated it wrong, at least for us today. It says, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men, and that misses it, which is why about every other Bible translation that you're going to be using today translates it something like one of these. Here's the NIV. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's different, isn't it? Here's the NLT. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That's different. Here's the CEV. Praise God in heaven, peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. And now it starts to make sense. Guys, the gift Jesus came to give us was peace with God. Peace with God. That's why it's so offensive. Because it implies that without Jesus, you are not at peace with God. But it also means this. If you are not at peace with God, you're host. You're host in this world, and you're without hope for the next. I guess there are two dictionary definitions of peace. Peace is either a state of tranquility or quiet, an inner peace, an inner calm that a lot of you guys struggle with. Or peace is a state in which there's no hostility, no fighting, no war between two people or two groups. There's this inner peace and there's this outer peace. And the angel says to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, because that's where real peace starts. And on earth, peace... And he's not talking about this tranquility, this calmness of your soul that God wants you to feel. He's not promising to calm your troubled soul here. Nor is he promising to bring peace to troubled families or to troubled nations or to troubled groups. 
That's the kind of peace we naturally think about. It's not the kind of peace the angel is talking about primarily. All those are derivative. This is about peace with God. Peace with God. Jesus came to bring peace with God. Jesus came to deal with the sin that separates us from God because our sin builds this wall between us and God. Jesus came to tear down that wall. And Jesus promises peace to every one of us if. Bottom line, Jesus is an offer of peace to every man, every woman, every child, everywhere for all time if we will bend our knees to Jesus. Through Jesus, God offers us peace. Peace between him and us. Peace with God. But only those who respond to Jesus, who follow Jesus, will experience the peace that God offers. It's his gift to all of us if we'll bend our knees to Jesus. That's the promise of the angel. Do you buy that? Have you done it? Guys, it's an incredible story. It's a story that no one could ever make up. It's a story about God actually entering into his creation, into our world, hat in hand, telling us, I want peace with my kids. And I will absorb whatever cost it takes to make it so. It's about God trying to show us beyond a shadow of a doubt that he wants to do life with us. He wants us to be his children the way we were created to be. But it's a gift that can only be unwrapped by those who receive him as their Savior, their Christ, their Lord, which makes him the most offensive gift ever and the perfect gift for every man, woman, and child. Guys, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit weirdly this morning. I'm just going to read some scriptures, just a list of scriptures, because this promise dances through the pages of the New Testament, our new covenant with God. What I'd like to ask you to do is to stand as we read the scriptures, kind of out of respect. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and he tells him to marry his fiancée, and he says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, which means God saves, because he's going to save his people from their sins. And then that angel appears to the shepherds, guys like us, and he says, don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you good news that's going to bring great joy to all people, all people. The Savior, yeah, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in the city of David. And then a few days later, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem for his dedication. There's an old, old man there named Simeon who'd been told by God that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And it says, Simeon took the child in his arms and he praises God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised because I have seen your salvation. I'm looking at him, which you've prepared for all people, for all of us. I'm holding him in my arms. 30 years later, a few weeks after they killed this child, a few weeks after he walked out of his tomb, the Apostle Peter. Peter's the one who betrayed him three times. He's out on the streets preaching this Jesus, and he's preaching right to those who had killed him. And this is what he says. I'd like you to read this with me, please. There is salvation in no one else, 
God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Did you hear that? There is salvation in no one else. He is the Savior of all of us. He is the way to peace with God. And then the Apostle Paul, who started out hating Jesus and killing Jesus' followers, he had this come-to-Jesus moment after which he spent the rest of his life preaching Jesus. Here's what he said. And again, please read it with me. Are you ready? There is one God, there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. That's where your freedom is found, guys. And finally, the Apostle John. He put it like this. One more time. Read it with me. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And guys, that is what Christmas is all about. Will you pray with me? Father, give us the wisdom to realize that we need Jesus. Give us the wisdom to bend our knees and the wisdom to give him thanks. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.